For July 27th, 2009, it's the Overthinking It podcast, episode 56, iPhone Abstinence App. To the Overthinking It podcast, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve. I am your host, Matthew Rather. I am days away from my cross-country journey, though about that, some news in a minute. We are going to talk a little bit uh, about a couple things tonight. We have, uh, we have our first uh, XX chromosome audition that sounds actually dirty. That sounds like XXX audition, and that is not what it is at all. I want to dispel any expectation you may have. No, our uh, our first brave woman who has um, uh, answered. It was a listener, right, who who wrote in or posted a comment or something said, like that that said, "You guys should include women on the panel." And we put out the call and said, "Yes, absolutely. Let us include women on the panel." Shana can't make it every week, so uh, let's get you know the more the more the merrier. And Lindsay Ennett uh, answered the call. She is a, uh, a journalist, and we will hear her overthinking audition later in the program. But before we get to that, the question of the week for the panel, what franchise, cultural phenomenon, whatever it is, what is the, the media product uh, that you are most unabashedly a fan of? At the beginning of the alphabet, when all is right with the world, we always have Mr. Peter Fenzel. That's correct, Matt, and I thank you very much for keeping the celestial order top to bottom the way it should be. <laughs> right, it's the music of the spheres, baby. <laughs> exactly, from King Kai all the way down to Oolong. No, um, so which is a little joke. No, I've established. I feel like the I feel like fandom is proportional to a certain amount of uh, shame that one endures for holding said fandom. So whereas there may be things I like more in the world, and there certainly are things I like more in my life, uh, there are properties few indeed that I am more a fan of than the works of the work great magnum opus of Akira Toriyama, uh, Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z. So I'm, I, I talk about it all the time. And I'm goaded into talking about it all the time now because people want to hear me talk about it because it's both they get to feel good because I kind of embarrass myself and also because uh you know it's like uh something it's something reliable and comfortable that um confirms people's expectations about the world and that's always reassuring Spence, so, Spence, uh, i have a question for you about this yeah kind sure, of sure. Mind, which is that did you see the last movie because it was kind no, of I, no years, right? i didn't and if i didn't see that movie if i didn't see that movie they screwed up really bad <laughs> <laughs> like really bad um, you that movie seen- was pretty much made for me, right? And like, or me right. and like a bunch of fourteen-year-old boys, which is part of why they screwed up really bad. Because <laughs> I'm not going to go see that movie with those fourteen-year-old boys. That's creepy, and I'm not that creepy. But, uh, but yeah, no, I didn't see the movie. And I actually was talking about this over the weekend. I'm thinking of putting in a uh, a blanket rule that any movie that has, excepting for the actual movie Evolution, which I hear is pretty good, any movie title that has the word Evolution in it. Not going to see. <laughs> hey, terrible. Hey, Pete, you know who else didn't like the movie? Who? Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. God, running gag. Pete's like Hitler. <laughs> no, no. no he's more got like, that little mustache. No, more he's got that slick hair down. He gets angry all the time. And he more, wears like that running, brown- more like running gag Matt's an asshole. But... <laughs> <laughs> the other running gag, of course, to, to fill in the listeners, is the internet meme in which people have, you know, subtitled, given alternate subtitles to the 
scene where in the from the movie Downfall, where Hitler gets you know word of very bad news in the bunker and just starts going ballistic. And the best so one, one, Pete. Pete said his favorite, and the best one that he sent me was um, about the Ottawa Transit U- Union strike. <laughs> Yeah. Like one, of them, kind of one of them being the Dragon Ball movie as well, which is why we're referencing that. That Hitler exactly. is very – yeah, and Hitler is very <laughs> upset that they're making a live-action Dragon Ball movie. <laughs> <laughs> if you just Google Downfall Dragon Ball, you'll finally you'll, – you'll probably find it on the thing. Mark Lee. Da, 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 da. You know, da, I'm da, going da, – da, da, da. This is tough, you know, because I asked Benzel about the Dragon Ball movie because obviously, you know, the Terminator – the most recent installment in the Terminator franchise, um, you know, is an analogous, analogous, similar disappointment um, to Terminator fanboys left and right, myself being one of them. Um, I'm really kind of, uh, you know, I was just a second ago, I was about ready to, to say, just to renounce in front of everybody my status as Terminator fanboy because of the, the damage that Terminator Salvation has caused. I don't know if I'm quite ready to do that yet, though. Right now, because just the, right just then and there, you know, I had just the, 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 the Terminator, the entire franchise just flashed before my eyes. Um, I recalled back, you know, to, to James Cameron's work and uh, I skipped over Terminator 3 and I, you know, skipped over the bad parts of Terminator's Sarah Connor Chronicles. Um, so my memory was very selective there in that, in that massive flashback there. And, um, and I thought about the good times. I thought about the good times. And I think part of being a fanboy is, uh, you know, ignoring the bad parts to really get back to the pieces of the franchise that really speak to you and call out to you. Um, that part, of course, being um, you know a, a, a robot hand descending into a pit of lava with its thumb up. And that, um, that means that I'm still a fanboy. What can I say? Terminator. I know now why you cry, but it is something I could never do. <laughs> I don't know for myself, for my own answer to this question. I, that's a terrible thing to say. Um, that, that'll get you fired right off the overthinking it podcast yeah. to, to say, uh, to say, I don't know. Um, what kinds of things can I be a fanboy of? I mean, I'm a fanboy. I guess so, but that's not really a media property. I mean, I own well, a, a number of Apple computers and, you know, peripherals and uh, consumer electronics, but uh, it's not like there's a there's a narrative. It's not like I can dress up as Steve Jobs. Though, I guess a black <laughs> mock turtleneck, I could dress up as Steve Jobs if I wanted to. And a big hole where his liver used to be. Oh. Oh, no. Oh. Gossip Girl? Gossip Girl for you? No? Uh, no, I was going to say the West Wing. Oh, okay. Is oh, because that, that's more fast. Yeah. I, you know, that's, <laughs> a, <laughs> that's the thing that I, uh, well, I enjoy Gossip Girl, and I don't enjoy it ironically, because, Pete, you're right, there's no such thing. But uh, I, I can quote chapter and verse from the West Wing. I mean, I can probably, you know, recite half an episode now, and I, I will with very little provocation. So let's move on before I do. All right. Uh, all right. Well, that is our panel for tonight. You know the drill. If you hear anything that you love or hate, you should contact us because it is your show and we are due pretty soon for a listener feedback episode. So give us a call at, uh, 20 eat log zero one. That's two zero three, two eight, five, six, four zero one. That voicemail will stay the same even after I move. 
uh, because it's, you know, not a real phone number. Any, well, it's a real phone number, but it doesn't go to a real phone. It goes to like a virtual phone where you leave a voicemail to be included on the show with your name and your latitude and longitude in degrees, minutes, and seconds. Uh, or uh, email us at podcastedoverthinkingit.com, use the contact form on the site, or leave a comment on the show notes. That's the paradox of choice right there. I feel like we have too many options. Well, which one is used the most? I guess the comment form. Okay. I mean the well, comments, I mean, you know, the no, comments. sorry, not the contact form. The comments on the, on the show notes. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, that's just standard practice for, for a website, right? Well, it is, yeah, it is. And, you know, I love, I love that the, the show has a community uh, on the website at overthinkingit.com who, you know, discuss the episodes. And then the discussions usually spin off into all kinds of areas that are equally as, if not more interesting than anything we talk about. I think all the different avenues are fine. I like to have a lot of ways for people to reach me. One yellow brick road to one emerald city is a boring way to make a movie. <laughs> Wait, what, what are you saying? That's I'm a, saying that's there should a... have been multiple yellow brick roads that should have been spiraling out to multiple emerald cities, and then it should have been more about targeted marketing. And like the Tin Man, <laughs> Tin Man has a special road that's made just for Tin Men, and you know, and, that, and that's that way. Just sort of like we, uh, we, we turn segregation into a commercial, just like we have in our own civilization. Oh, God. <laughs> if we used to sell things rather than to make people go to the bathroom in certain places, it's less humiliating. <laughs> All wow. right. I, there you I, go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, speaking of our our nation's great shame, it is my great shame. Oh. That I uh, that I my plans changed uh, with since we recorded the last podcast episode, and I have to I have to rescind my offer <gasps> to to meet. Our listeners anywhere along Interstate 80 or, you know, in the southeast corner of Utah, parts of Colorado, Las Vegas, because I'm not – I am not um, going to – uh, drive anymore. It came, it came down this week that I, I will actually fly across uh, across the country, and uh, my my ninety six olds. Uh, I I call her the sex mobile because she is not the youngest girl in the world, but uh, you know she's been very good to me, and she always gets the job done. <laughs> also has been around the block a few times. Yeah, more than once. Um, <laughs> but only with one person, because I, I've had her since she was a new Oldsmobile. Uh, and um, so, uh, yeah, she, she'll be making the journey uh, cross-country, but I will not be accompanying her instead. I will be winging over... Uh, I will be flying over certain states and landing on the West Coast. Uh, and so I'm very, I'm very sorry. Though uh, the, the response was not overwhelming. I have to share the one response I did get was from a listener who's a loyal listener. And I'm very glad he wrote to me. But he said, you know, I live in such and such a town along I-80. And I would uh, meet you, except I'm 15 and my parents might have a problem with it. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, yes, no, indeed, that would, that would certainly be a problem. Because... <laughs> yes. uh, 
you know, I am a character of ill repute, as you can uh, no doubt surmise from listening to the podcast. It is pretty hilarious that our podcast, in which we talk a lot about cartoons and like action <laughs> movies and stuff, like what? There are people in the podcast below the age of twenty-five, like who are listening. What? You know, we're very surprised that we have younger listeners, but uh, given our our subject matter and, of course, our youthful exuberance, I'm not shocked at all. And I'm glad you guys are. I like on to the, think uh, that I have a certain boyish insouciance. I think you have several kinds of insouissance, definitely. <laughs> well, uh, oh, and I'm sorry, in, in other moving news, Mark, how is, your, uh, how is your move to the outer boroughs progressing? I'm surrounded by boxes right now, and I'm just still in denial, I think. The, the, the last things that are going to be packed away are going to be things like the computer screen and the, uh, and, the, and the big you know set of speakers that I have, which I use to you know, enjoy various forms of media and entertainment on. I'm just, uh, you know, putting that away means that I'm going to deprive myself of that entertainment for a while. Um, right. And even it's, just for like three days before, I un- un- you know, they emerge on the other side and I unpack them. Uh, that's just like a lot of finale there. Like sealing them up in, 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 in the box with tape is, uh, is very different than taking the winter clothes that are in my closet and putting them aside. Now, I got, I got to say the last thing I'm doing, the very last thing on my to-do list after, I mean, I'm sitting in an empty apartment right now. Uh, and the very last furniture is going to the friend who's taking it uh, tomorrow night, and then a lot of stuff gets recycled, and a lot of stuff gets packed. But uh, the very last thing I'm doing is shutting off my cable internet. Oh, of course. Yeah. Is it? Do you? I have to go to the office and return my cable modem in person. And I think that that's like, what is it? This is the internet age, right? Like what, what, what is this, this nonsense? Do you have to do that? Well, I don't have to do this now because my roommate is still going to be here. But the last time that I, I left and vacated an apartment in New York city, I did have to, in fact, return everything. Like the massive cable box, the DVR, the time Warner DVR, uh, that we had. Uh, yeah, just schlep it over to uh, you know a big time Warner office. And it's get the terrible box. that they've returned to the cable box. Like we had cable boxes for a while, and then we had cable ready TVs that didn't need a box, you know. And now we're back to they're back to like renting us this this piece of equipment that costs five bucks a month or something mm. like that. And there's no you know there's no consumer choice, right? There's one cable company in your town, so they can basically do whatever they want. Mm. I have I, Dish Network. Do you get local channels? Yes, you do, probably. Yeah, we do. Well, we had a guy who lived in our apartment for a long time who hated, hated Comcast. And Comcast is our local cable monopoly. And he hated, and he was an electrical engineer, and he hated Comcast so much that he has elaborately wired our home to take Dish Network and to, like, you know, to have it in all the rooms. And we can, you know, we have the satellite dish and we can get all the channels we want. And it's not illegal. It's like, it's all straight up on the up and up, but it's like a little bit more sophisticated than usual. And there have been a lot of times where we've wanted to change it because we have to get our internet through DSL because Dish Network doesn't offer internet. Right. And uh, as you can probably tell, sometimes my podcast quality isn't so great because my connection is a little bit rough. Um, and we can't uh, cancel it. We can't get rid of the Dish Network because it's been woven into the lifeblood of our house. Um, <laughs> so it's sort of like it's like um, if you've ever seen Babylon Five when the alien crawls up on your shoulder and gets into your brain and like you can't get rid of it. Like what happens to Londo? A spoiler. Um, <laughs> the uh, the uh, yeah, you, you can take it out, but you're going to die if you do. And I, I feel like we uh, we wouldn't be able to survive uh, in our home if we didn't have this thing swimming around in our veins. 
so we've damned ourselves uh, to to uh, non to non monopolistic cable television sort of delivery, as it were. Well, good space. for you. Yeah, I wish you could get faster DSL. I remember when that was the cutting edge, though, right? And now, if it's not, if I'm not pulling down like oh, what thirty, forty megabits, right? Like I'm I'm pissed off. I mean, I, I don't know. I've got like a giant fiber optic cable that goes out of our house and just goes straight up to a, a satellite. Yeah, that's how it I works. Have a, <laughs> I have a positronic cable like Data had that, oh, goes, yeah, yeah, that yeah. goes into his brain. <laughs> that, you know, and that thing that, that spread out kind of like a, a suction cup with, with Christmas lights on it. <laughs> that, that was awesome. I have a Nikola Tesla uh, electrostatic death beam <laughs> that's on the top of my house that shoots radio signals and like weaponized electricity to people that I want to communicate with and or destroy. Wow, do you live in the uh, do you live in the pyramids? It's a little it's a little Transformers Revenge of the Fallen reference there Wait, for is, you. No, I haven't seen is that is Nikola Tesla involved in the latest no, he, Transformers he's movie? Not, he's not involved, but a, a death ray concealed spoiler alert, a death ray concealed inside one of the Egyptian pyramids is a plot point in the uh, So you know that would be a good litmus for somebody. I'm not sure what quality it would test, but if you ask somebody which person would make you more likely to see a movie if they were in it? Megan Fox or Nikola Tesla? I think that would be that's a good I think that's a good why, oh, can't, I don't, have, why can't you have what? both? Why can't you have both in the same movie? That would be an awesome movie. I would I totally like, see that. I like setting up false dichotomies. Well you know what that movie that would be like Young Einstein, right? Um the Yahoo Serious movie right. with uh like sexy Mary Curie um in it. I love why? that movie. We were just talking about that movie this weekend. Why so serious? Oh I bought that T shirt. Uh, I bought, overthinking it had a T-shirt that said "Why so serious?" and had a picture of Australian comic actor Yahoo Serious. Uh, <laughs> and like, I think I was—I was the only one who bought it, right, Matt? Is, yeah, is that true? I, I think you're the only person in the history of of the overthinking a T-shirt franchise that bought that particular T-shirt. Yeah, the other T-shirts are, are at least a hundred or two hundred or three hundred percent more popular. Right. But this one, <laughs> I wore this to my gym. I wore this to my gym. I saw it like two times before I was too ashamed of it and threw it away. <laughs> <laughs> and it cost me like 30 bucks. Yeah. Uh, uh, it was not a great t-shirt design. I wish we We've could made- get the prices on the t-shirts down. But we got – you know, there are some great t-shirts on our store. Uh, I like I liked bacon before it was cool is a, is a pretty good one, I, I got to say. Given the, the chatter around, I think it's an underrated t-shirt. I think that if you buy that, you're going to be cool and people are going to want to either sleep with you or they're going to want to invent electrostatic devices with you. So whether you're Megan Fox or Nikola Tesla, you want to buy that t-shirt. <laughs> Definitely. Well, uh, speaking of of whether Megan Fox or Nikola Tesla would make you more likely to listen to our podcast. Whoa, where's this going? Uh, we have our very first, our very first bona fide woman who uh, who had the courage to email us. Not that we're particularly threatening or difficult to email. We're just you know we're likely to be <laughs> what we're likely to be. Um, kind of difficult to get along with, I guess. No, I think it's more just likely that when we ask women if they want to do things, a lot of the time they say no. Right. And that's okay because that's something that all men have to deal with in their lives at one point or another. No <laughs> means no, Pete. No podcasting means no podcasting. Look, I'm just asking. There's no harm in asking, okay? <laughs> well, we did ask and one, one uh, woman answered the call. We will be right back after this short musical bumper with uh, a podcast audition from Lindsay Ennett. 
joined now by Lindsay Ennett. Lindsay, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thank you, Matt. It is. No, a, it's great. It is. A, um, I know we have this trouble all the time with stomping on each other when we talk. It's you know, and especially since we all seem to talk in paragraphs, and we all seem to want to like jump in with our ideas right when we have them. But you are brave to answer the call for more X chromosomes, a higher uh, proportion of X chromosomes on the podcast. You, I think, are the only person who made it through the rigorous screaming process, uh, which means you emailed me. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, and it's wonderful to, uh, to have you on the show. Are you ready? Are you, you know, how are you feeling with all the pressure? I am. Let's, let's, let's overthink some things. You are over. Well, let's overthink you to begin with. Tell us something about yourself. You know, where, where are you? We know Mark Lee's address, you know. Right. <laughs> well, at least, at least for another for week. One, cause, well, at least uh, one more week. Yeah. Uh, we know... Uh, you know, we know that Pete is first in the alphabet, though not anymore since since you're on the call. You've lost your place, Pete. Yeah, I know. Smash. <laughs> yeah. no. Pete, Pete, smash. Uh, where are you from? Well, um, I'm originally from the Chicago area, but I spend a good portion of the year in Columbia, Missouri, where I'm uh, finishing my last year at the University of Missouri. Oh, fantastic. What are you studying? Uh, journalism. Okay. Yeah, I hear I hear great things are happening in the world of newspapers. <laughs> yeah, about that. Well, the No, seriously. Like so what are you uh, do you do do you do like new media journalism or do you do uh anything like that? Um my focus is on uh magazine mostly arts and entertainment journalism with a uh, little bit of new media thrown in. I've been working on some multimedia projects with a In These Times magazine this summer, and I'm also a feature writer for countrymusicpride.com, so I'm working a little bit in the music field right now. Hey, so do you, uh, do you have Country Music Pride, or is it just a day job for you? <laughs> um, well, I think my pride is more in the uh, folk and b- bluegrass realm, Got but it. I mean, not all country is bad. I, American roots know. music. American roots music. Yeah, definitely. you know, when I, when I grew up in Los Angeles, it, the most, uh, the really just kind of the the weirdest coincidence. Uh, my dad is a banjo player, and so I was exposed really? to a lot of traditional American music growing up, and so I have a great uh, love for it, but a terrible antipathy towards the kind of corporate country music that comes out of well, where does it come out of Nashville? I guess. Oh, I don't know. Oh, like Taylor- I think is the answer. Taylor Swift Taylor. is the worst freaking songwriter on the planet. She doesn't write songs so much as she rhythmically chants, you know, a high school girl's like poetry. Journal entries. Yeah, journal entries, right? Like in it's verse. Very, it's very live journal is what it is. It's yeah, no, it's live journal, but it's chanted to music. And it's not I call it a chant because I don't want to dignify it with the term uh term melody and if any of our listeners disagree with me you can call in at 20 eat log zero one and i really mean the eat log in uh in that phone number actually part of the 
part of the column number is yeah twenty twenty eat log zero one. It's not. I didn't choose it for that, but I ran our voicemail number through one of those machines that gives you the uh, that gives you all the potential words it could spell. Uh, and that was the that was the most amusing. The other one is fat jog, which is not uh, uh, I don't know. It's more hortatory, right? It's like fat uh, yeah. jog. We're not. We're, we have nothing to do with a with a certain Simon Pegg movie. Yeah, right. Uh, with a run, fat boy, run. Hey, Mark, what were you thinking of? Uh, what were you thinking about uh, Taylor Swift? Oh, it's just that she's the future of country music, from what I hear. Ah. Uh. Not? So is she like one of those dystopian futures, like in Johnny Mnemonic, where like uh, <laughs> Henry Rollins, like you know, where is, in, is a dolphin? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, she rules. She rules the country with an iron fist, with one of the Jonas Brothers at her side. Wait, they're not country. They're more. They're more rock, right? They, I mean, they are. I mean, as rock as you can get when you're being sent out there by. Walt Disney by and, a mouse by a giant by mouse, a mouse, which was a great South Park episode, by the way. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was funny. funny thing right? about that, they now have, yeah. Funny thing about that, they also I found out this week they have an iPhone app with uh, the purity rings that they wear. I don't think it's actually Jonas Brothers affiliated, but it's it's geared towards that same demographic. And it just, You'll have to I just I found that. Well, excuse me. I'm going to go download that now. Uh, well, that's... It prevents you from having intercourse. Is that what this app does? <laughs> Apparently. Okay. Well, that's a useful thing to have. You know, a useful thing to have in case you know you happen to be going somewhere where you don't like anybody and you don't want to accidentally sleep with any of them. Yeah. No, that's... Good. There's an app for that. That's yeah, always... There's an app for that. Excellent. Excellent. That is always happening to me. Where I accidentally sleep with people. No, I'm kidding. You know, uh, I, have a, I have a bit of a problem with Taylor Hicks. Is that or Taylor Swift? And I just revealed what it was, which is that I always confuse her with Taylor Hicks. <laughs> <laughs> and so every time someone's like, I hate Taylor, Taylor Swift. And I'm like, that My- Michael McDonald dude from American Idol? I'm soul like, yeah, train. I guess he's kind of lame. Yeah. Isn't he the Soul <laughs> Train guy? Soul, soul Train. Patrol. Oh, yeah. Soul Patrol. Everyone get on the Soul Patrol. You know, the Jonas Brothers earned my everlasting hatred when they played with Stevie Wonder at the Grammy Awards. And one of oh. the little one of the little poops said to him uh, right before Stevie took his solo, said, come on, Stevie, show us what you got. <laughs> you know, it's like, hey, Stevie Wonder, legendary and brilliant musician and musical mind. Prove to me that you are worth standing on the stage uh, next to a product of the Disney machine. And I, you know, and I just, I will never, ever, even if they turn out to be good musicians or like turn from a boy band to a, like a weird kind of indie folk movement the way Hanson did. Um, or like if one of them, if one of them descends into drugs and dies young and the other one becomes a San Francisco folk singer like Millie Vanilli Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> even then, even in those situations, they won't earn my respect. But speaking of purity rings, uh, <laughs> reach for it, reach for it. <laughs> speaking of purity rings, uh, one of the uh, topics that Lindsay sent us as a, as a possible topic to uh, talk uh, with her about in this, her, I, I hesitate to call it an audition because that's too formal, but in this, her chat here on the podcast was the, you know, the, sorry. 
spiel. It's yeah. a it's a spiel, maybe. I don't yeah. know. It's got <laughs> a spiel of a collection know. of words Here's, that are spoken and recorded and broadcast over the internet. Right. Podcast. Um is uh is uh, vampires was was vampires and hold on i mean i'm still segueing here the purity ring will will come into pass and you know it has been it has been suggested in the recent glut of vampire things that one of the things that undergirds the twilight uh series is the mormon um beliefs of its author uh, which shows up in the books as um, things like an emphasis on the eternal nature of marriage, uh, literalized in the vampires being, you know, undead and living together forever. And I think that's actually, um, uh, it's actually like literal. It's actually very literal in some of the text of the book at some point. But also, I would say in things like. Uh, when Bella says she wants to be a vampire, it's always talked about as a kind of conversion experience, right? And a, um, you know, a moving to a higher plane, so a kind of transcendent conversion experience. But, uh, Lindsay, what's the deal with all these vampires? <laughs> you know, I mean, it's it's easy to sort of point the finger at Twilight and especially now you see at Comic-Con you have almost like the dueling, almost like the Jets and Sharks of teen geared vampire franchises <laughs> with this this new show that the per, the purveyors of quality television, the CW are putting out a new show this fall called The Vampire Diaries. Uh, hey, 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 step carefully. We love Gossip Girl. We love us some <laughs> Gossip Girl on this show. All right. I, got, I got no beef with Gossip Girl. I was... Th- Thinking more of fine programming like The Secret Life of the American Teenager. Or NYC uh, Prep, I guess. Oh, no, that's Bravo. Never mind. Yeah, no, NYC Prep, The it's, again, sort of the real housewives, younger, brattier sister, I would say. Yeah, though, though, like, though, it's it's kind of weird because it comes in reverse. Like, we got the OC after we already had Laguna Beach on MTV, and so now Bravo is kind of doing the reality show version after Gossip Girl has already become a cultural phenomenon. I I believe actually I believe the OC came before Laguna Beach, and Laguna Beach did serve as a reality answer. Hold on, I'm gonna IMDb or Wikipedia this or something. No, no, no. You talk. We'll we'll Google. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, no, but what do you what do you, you know see, about the Vampire Diaries? Because I have not heard a lot about it. Uh, the Vampire Diaries. Uh, well, according to the CW, they're trying to sort of market it as Dawson's Creek with fangs. Um, the first, uh, the town of Mystic Falls. It takes place in a town called Mystic Falls, which has a lot of things that go bump in the night, uh, according to the CW's website, and. You have Stefan and Damon, who are these two vampire brothers with very different se- sensibilities, and they too are unwilling to compare themselves. They're unwilling to compare themselves to Edward Cullen, but I think it's sort of the parallels. You know, it's a high school vampire drama, and it's easy to draw those comparisons. But basically, the premise in one sentence or less is this: is a normal girl has to choose between two attractive vampire brothers and decide which one she wants to pursue relations with. Relations? It's awfully forward. 
<laughs> yeah. Why don't you choose both of them? They should switch networks to something that that's late night, and then she should choose both. Showtime. And, yeah, exactly. And well, they do that. They, they, is when is it? When is the Showtime vampire show coming out? The V word, right? Is that what they're going to call it? <laughs> well, there's already there's already True Blood on HBO. Oh, yeah, True, so, of course. What am I talking about? I forgot about True Blood. Yeah, True Blood. That's the same thing. That's like Anna Paquin all naked. All the time. Yeah, right? no, she is all uh, naked. Yeah. She is all naked all the time, and she does, you know, grind down on her her vampire man while he, you know, bites her in uh, discreet places so that she won't have to w- walk around with fang marks all the time. Oh, it's like oh getting my. a tattoo and then going to work. Yeah, I gotcha. yeah, it's like getting the, it's like getting a tramp stamp that gets covered by your business suit or something. <laughs> you know, all the the challenges of modern life. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but let me jump in here on this vampire thing because I'm a little bit late to this party, or I'm really not in this party at all. I've not even touched uh, Twilight; haven't seen it. Don't know anything about it. It's other okay, than, the party like, lasts forever, Mark. It lasts forever. <laughs> all right, so here's my take on this: is that I'm seeing, you know, obviously, you know, vampires are being brought into the contemporary world in a big way, right? Um, and we've kind of left behind the uh, "I want to suck your blood," Dracula, uh, you know, business with a cape and everything like that. Um, can we get some kind of like fusion world in that where like Old school Dracula with a cape fights, you know, new school Edward Dreamboat dream emo vampire, and they have it out. And there's like kind of like a, I don't know, like dueling generations of I, vampires. Well, yeah, Mike, uh, Mark, I guess that what what I would say to that is that actually the Cullens are more like Dracula than either of them is like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Does that make sense? Mm. Because uh, in, it does make sense. In traditional vampire fiction, the vampires are a, a figurative way of talking about the New World's fear of a kind of decaying European aristocracy, whereas in, Joss, in the Joss Whedon show, they're horny teenage boys. Okay, but I'm talking about I'm talking about some of the aesthetic trappings are like capes and coffins and things like that. Like we don't see a whole lot of that. Yeah, no, you don't. They do, but you know, like it is a thing in in actually in all the current vampire stuff is that the vampires are trying to like fit in to to human society, whether oh. they're. That's how symbolic. It's like, you know, how, you know, members of the audience are trying to fit in with the, uh, with yeah. the I get it now. By, shopping, by shopping at Hot Topic, yes. Go ahead, Lindsay. Well, but I think you actually, I think with Buffy the Vampire Slayer, you actually did see a lot of that. You sort of did have the hierarchy of vampires that sort of went over centuries and sort of had this, like, little vampire mafia. Then that's sort of the origin of spike and of angel as they've been around for a while and kind of trying to keep integrate into each society that they have to move through in order to keep doing vampire-y things yeah i mean for me the bridge was always the Anne rice stuff right mm. uh, which is i think really where and maybe that speaking maybe uh, I, we're losing. Anne rice that tried to... okay. oh P- you're having problem okay yeah um, having... somebody else pick oh, up there you go well, I'm gonna, try, right. try one more time, Pete. Oh well, for me, the the bridge is as far back as I can remember is all the Anne Rice stuff, right? Where you have the the new sexy vampire grown out of the old aristocratic vampire, and uh, I, a lot of what I, you see nowadays seems to sort of take for granted the transition that happened in her work. Uh, 
Um, and I talked a couple times about the role that um, Vampire the Masquerade played in all this stuff, like the the role playing game, which I think was kind of influential back in the day, back when you know goths were still kind of new and all this sort of. Among Wiccan the certain stuff that, like I with, knew, I knew about Vampire the Masquerade, though I much preferred Mage the Ascension myself. <laughs> as far I like as Werewolf the Apocalypse, but right. I think if you know me, that you would guess that. <laughs> <laughs> as far as the White Wolf. Uh, yeah. you know, kind of LARPing uh, games. It's not all LARPing, it's tabletop gaming. I mean, not to insult were they, LARPing, but... Were like, they tabletop games? I, I was never part of this crowd in my high school, but I knew a bunch of guys who would, like, go out to the mall uh, on, like, weekend nights and play that they were vampires. Uh, they would LARP that they would vamp- were vampires, and, like, you know, they were kind of moving in and out amongst the normals and, uh, uh, you know, uh, threatening to eat them. No, I mean, I mostly played these games in, like, basements in New Jersey and not in costume. And the most dangerous thing that happened was, like, eating pizza and drinking Mountain Dew, which is probably a lot more dangerous, drinking Mountain Dew, than uh, skulking around a mall, because it's very terrible for your health, it turns out. <laughs> <laughs> Mountain <laughs> but, Dew, yeah, and, and a lot of pizza as well. Yeah. Oh, definitely, definitely. There's a lot of, the, you know, playing role-playing games is really dangerous because you eat really poorly. Is really what it boils down to. Everyone's worried about the Satanism. Everybody's worried about the influence they'll have on your children. The real problem is diabetes because you play them, you stay inside all the time. The LARPers have it right because at least they're moving around. At least they're moving around. Though I guess I guess the people needed to do something before the abstinence iPhone app was released. And (laughs) playing Dungeons and Dragons is pretty much a guarantee that you will not get laid. Well, I mean, the biggest danger facing Except any by other game. Dungeons and Dragons players. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. I, we, there were no girls in the group uh, that I uh, that I knew anyway. I, I don't know. Female role playing game. Lindsay, did you play role playing games growing up? I, I can safely say that that I did not. But you know, I mean, you do. I mean, I think it's more common now. I think you do have more girls sort of, you know, finding a niche. And as I think the internet has helped with it because you don't have to show up in person and risk that sort of... Yeah, I don't know. Sort of Though, I, I, whenever someone it. says that they're a woman on the internet, I, I, present company excluded, I never believe them. Because, you know, <laughs> there's like floating hey, around... Matthew, a- ASL? ASL? <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. And right, and I would be, if I were if I were answering that on World of Warcraft or something like that, I would totally write like 14F, Cali, you know? <laughs> Well, there, were lot, there were lots of women who play role-playing games, both LARPing and and tabletop, and I just want to say that because if they are out there, there's a relatively good chance they'd like our website, so I don't want to piss them off too much. <laughs> no, 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 it's true. You know, role-playing games is, is not an area that we cover especially uh, uh, carefully, and, and really, if you are a writer who covers role-playing games, you can call us at 20EATLOG01, that's uh, 203-285-640. I don't want you to eat log, uh, though you might want to fat jog. Or fat perhaps, jog? That's, or the perhaps, other, that's the other thing that it spells. Uh, from all the Mountain Dew, I mean. Instead of eating log, eating log, perhaps you might want to drink blood instead. That would get them the wrong phone number. <laughs> well, I don't want the people who want to drink blood to, to call on the podcast. I don't want vampires it's on Stephanie this show. Stephanie Byers' phone number. You know, once you invite a vampire on the podcast, you can never get him to leave. 
Uh, it's it's the truth. They they have magic magical powers to take over your podcast. Uh, it's not really portrayed in a lot of the fictional stuff because you know when Dracula had this power, he never used it because they didn't have podcasts. But he still had the power. So. <laughs> Oh Amazing. man! But vampires can—they're going to reroute the uh, you know the switching boards at AT and T and Verizon so that you know when you call twenty drink blood uh, or whatever the ending to that is, then it's actually going to redirect to this podcast number. That's yes. frightening. <laughs> I you know I have to recommend to anyone who is interested in a really good consideration of this stuff uh, an article by Jenny Turner in the London Review of Books. I know, I know, pretentious, right? Uh, the, the article is called The Beautiful Undead, and if you Google uh, London Review of Books Twilight, there's a, there's a really very good consideration of the first, of the, of the series, the four book series, and the first film uh, that you'll find there. Yeah. Yeah. One, one Twilight book. Two, two Twilight books. I'm just trying to keep it old school with my vampires here. I don't know this new school vampire stuff. All right. I ride with Chocula. No love for Vampire Weekend in here? I like Vamp- Vampire Weekend. I mean, you know, I Belinky would make fun of me. He would tell me that, you know, I just I need to tighten up my skinny jeans or something like that. But uh yeah, no, they they were a Columbia band. Country or yeah. university? Huh? Or dis- uh, district yeah. district country or university? Uh, I believe university. Columbia University. Okay. Yeah, there are guys who married Colombian. They They all live in Brooklyn now. Oh, okay. okay. Brooklyn. Of course it- in uh, Williamsburg, probably. Mm, I would yeah. assume. Isn't that where all the hipsters are going now? Oh, Williamsburg. I don't know. I don't know. A lot of uh, uh, there are hipsters. I mean, we really would need Ryan on the on the show to talk about this. But I think hipsters are are all over the place. It's I think it's just like everywhere. They're, they are <laughs> everywhere, like vampires living among us, and you'd never know if you didn't know the signs. That's true. That's true. Uh, Hey, Lindsay, it was great having you on the show. I had a, I had a great time. Thanks, it, for, thanks for having me. Parting words? Um, I'm just uh, keep watching for the, keep watching out. There may be a vampire among you. There may be. There may be. And, uh, it's, and it's wonderful to have more X chromosomes on uh, the show. So uh, to write back to anything Lindsay has said, you know the places, podcastoverthinkingit.com, 20eatlog01, show notes, contact form, uh, and we are all, we, we will continue our audition process uh, of, of real, real women, not the, um, not the not the kind that I used to play on the internet when I you know when I would go on World of Warcraft, but uh, but real ones. And uh, if you are brave, uh, if you are anywhere near as brave as Lindsay, you will you will step up to the plate. So oh, you. Uh, thanks very much, and we will be right back after this. All right, we're back. Hey, do you like do you like how I used those musical musical bumpers to uh, mask the fact that we recorded all these things out of sequence? It's what like are you talking the about? <laughs> it's like cleaning the palate. It's, you know, it's like a fine wine. You know, you 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 drink a fine wine. You 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 drink some water and you eat some crackers to clean the palate before you move on to the next fine wine. Right. It is exactly like that. 
I, um, I was saying that you actually played that music in real time on the keyboard, and I was dancing like the chicken, the Volkswagen commercial. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway. Well, what is uh, so after our interview with Lindsay? What is on deck? Well, interview, interview, audition, getting to know you, getting to know all about you. Uh, what's next? What's next on deck? Comic Con is the Comic Con. The Comic Con, not the yeah, no, not the kind of. Poor redheaded stepchild, uh, Comic Con New York, the New York Comic Con that we went to, uh, Mark and I. But the actual Comic Con drawing 2,000, 200,000 plus rabid fans down to San Diego uh, to, to what? To cosplay? To drink, to drink from the pop culture fire hose. To, to which I think was the, was, the, was the phrase that we came up with coming out of New York Comic Con. Now that's the thing. That's now we are kind of poo-pooing the New York Comic Con, but let's be clear about our experience at New York Comic Con. It was a mind-blowing, very overwhelming experience, right? I mean, hence the phrase that we came up with: drinking from the pop culture fire hose. It was I mean, totally not, cool. I really liked it. Yeah, and it was really intense as well, too. I mean, we're saying that you know it's like a redhead stepchild, except that it's it's a ridiculous experience as well. I mean, I, I haven't seen the San Diego Comic Con one. I've just heard that it's it's like. 10 quadrillion times bigger. Now that I'll be on the West Coast, maybe I'll go next year. Should now, totally it was, it was started yeah. back in 1970s, right? So this is something that has a certain amount of pedigree. Like, when I heard about this, I wasn't sure what game... Like, why is... I'm all, like, on the, at the Seder. Like, why is this Comic-Con different from all other Comic-Cons? <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm trolling the Wikipedia, Wikipedia page now, and it's ta- telling me that... Uh, yeah, it's like 30 years old. And it was the uh, thing. This was a real kind of fan's... Uh, fans fan. I mean, I went to a couple Star Trek conventions, you know, as a young adolescent, and that too, uh, you know, made me not need the uh, abstinence iPhone app. <laughs> so actually, actually, my first, see, my first girlfriend with whom uh, I held hands on more than one occasion uh, was also a Star Trek fan. So I guess you know. It did. Uh, it did serve me well back when I was twelve, but uh, but no. Moving right along, this is the mecca. This is like the convention mecca, and um, it has, of course, long since uh, included things other than comics. And it's kind of seen as a litmus test uh, for a lot of media properties as to whether they will be successful or not. Like it was a big deal when Iron Man went over so well at. Uh, at Comic-Con, I think, two years ago, two or three years ago. And, um, you know, it was a big deal that, the, that the, the real hardcore fans got on board, and that was seen as a vote of confidence in, uh, in the film. And they brought Robert Downey Jr. down there. I mean, a lot of, you know, a lot of media companies will really bring the big guns, uh, uh, directors or actors uh, or, write, you know, writers. I mean, comic Comic people are also into writers and artists. Uh, people, you know, they'll bring them down to San Diego and have them have them talk to a room full of, of fans who will be like, um, "Excuse me, in episode fourteen of the second season, there is a contradiction that I wanted you to be made aware of." No, I shouldn't make fun because we're we're like that a lot of the time. Hey, Mark. So, what do, what do you think of these crazy people? I think uh, us well, <laughs> <laughs> or Comic Con people. Before before we the people that are there, just real quickly, I think this year's kind of an analogy, analogy to that Iron Man setup, right? Where you're really trotting out to the fans, to get their buy-in. Was James Cameron's Avatar? So James Cameron was there. 
He showed Avatar, his highly anticipated 3D science fiction movie. Um, apparently, it went over well with the fans too. But that again was kind of a critical litmus test for getting that. So um, you know, each year it has one of those, and this year I think was 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 Avatar. Um, really? Well, I did. I, I, I did not know Avatar was being trotted out. I mean, I've been really excited about this. Did it got good buzz at the Comic Con? I think it got good buzz at the Comic Con. Yeah. No, uh, this is a different. You're, I'm I'm sorry not to like be up on this. I probably this is the second time I'm getting fired from the podcast tonight. But uh, this is not the same as Avatar: The Last Airbender, right? Which is M well, Night Shyamalan Ding Dong is making that movie. I think that's correct. Yeah, that's the one with the whole racist casting because it's all supposed to be Asian characters and they. No, believe like it or not, G- James Cameron has been working on this movie for so long that he actually trademarked it before they came up with Avatar The Last Windbender, so they're not going to be able to force him to change the name of this wow. movie. Wow. And that, I believe, is true. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, But, but, but getting, getting back to fandom, I think um, what, we've, what we've seen last year from Comic-Con and thinking about some you know, other instances of extreme fandom, uh, one of which was at Comic-Con where I think the, the Twilight fans spent you know, lined up for 20, 24 hours to get into the uh, into the panel at that event is that there is certainly a spectrum of fandom in which you know um, you know the I guess like Fenzel and myself you know in our respective Dragon Ball and Terminator fandom are very enthusiastic about the you know the the, the media property maybe I don't know Fenzel I don't know if you ever dressed up in a Dragon Ball fashion but I have you know donned a Terminator costume once in my life. No, I mean, I, I have a pink shirt that says bad man on the back. But other than that, no. We have pictures of you cosplaying, Mark. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, put it, I, I put it on the blog for everyone to see. I mean, like, you know, I wasn't ashamed about it at all. I showed up my I, office like that as well, too. I mean, I'm, I've, I'm, I perform on stage all the time. I have no problem with dressing up in costumes and, like, cosplay, if that's what you're into, like, go for it. But I've never actually been to a convention or, you know, made my own orange gi. Although, if I had time to do it, it might make for a good Halloween costume. I just am not in an environment a lot of the time where it would be useful. So, like we were talking about, like the difference between tabletop role-playing games and LARPing is, like, you know, it's a question of means, motive, and opportunity. Right. So what you're getting at there is that that once you you know there's a spectrum of fandom here, right? You know, there's the definitely the enthusiast side, you know, um, where you know, and cosplay could include that, you know, like doing things a little bit slightly unconventional, but um, but then you start to step over into more extreme acts, right? Right. Such as you know, waiting 24 hours to I don't know, get an iPhone or get into the Comic Con uh, panel for Twilight, for example. But then you start getting into another level of fandom, which is starting to intrude on what uh, society would consider the normal functioning of your life. Well, not society so much as, like, uh, a medical journal of some sort. A medical journal. Uh, (laughs) Like, if it actually starts keeping you from enjoying things that you would enjoy in your regular life, and, you know, I think that's, like, the sentence, sort of, that's used in a lot of the descriptions of mental illnesses that are difficult to quantify. Right, and there's there's a kind of a, a, as closely related to addiction as well, too, I guess, you know, for, like, World of Warcraft being the perfect example of that. But um, what I'm kind of getting at here is a... A different kind of fan phenomenon, which is not strictly Comic-Con related, but it's maybe tangentially so. Um, this is, I don't know if anybody saw this in the most recent issue of the New York Times magazine. They reported on a phenomenon in Japan where hardcore anime fans, um, and there's a whole you know, issue with you know, a lot of ma- Japanese males being you know, a- feeling alienated in society as well, um, have eschewed uh, typical romantic relationships and have taken up 
what they consider to be romantic relationships with fictional anime characters. And if you look at, we should include a link to this in the show notes. If you if you look at the article, there's an incredibly creepy photograph of a thirty something year old man holding a uh, like a, a four foot long you know body pillow type thing. And on the pillow case is a you know fictional anime character, and he considers her to be her girlfriend. And he takes the pillow with him to restaurants and like on an airplane. And you know that is his girlfriend in his mind. <laughs> that that, that that's, that's what I'm I mean. About. I'm so I, I'm so curious about the logistics of this. Oh, it goes into it very much in detail in this article. I mean, he keeps several different pillowcases. Um, Are they he, all his girlfriend? Are they all the same girlfriend? They're all the same character. All the same character. Other, so he's uh, sort of like a trinitarian. It's like there's there's three different pillowcases, but they're all the same of yeah. the same being. Right. And there's other, not like one other, pillowcase is superior realization of the pillowcase. He's not an Arianist. No. no. <laughs> other fans, however, who subscribe to this phenomenon will are not monogamous in this way. They keep multiple characters as multiple go- girlfriends, and so they, they they date them all simultaneously. Now, yeah. when when the pillowcase goes with him on an airplane, does he buy a seat for the pillowcase, <laughs> or does he put the pillowcase in the overhead bin? Uh, he certainly would not put it in the overhead bin, given what I've um, you know whatever. I don't think the, the airplane thing may not be a specific example, but he talks about treating the pillowcase very carefully. Very reverentially, you know, not just, you know, like, you know, putting it under his arm and, you know. Or well, that would make the guy, this guy probably like the best boyfriend in the world because I, I don't know, a lot of guys, uh, there are a lot of guys. We both had the same thought at the same yeah, time, which is like just picturing rather like stuffing his girlfriend <laughs> into the overhead compartment of an airplane. <laughs> mm. Rather doesn't find that as funny as I do, apparently. <laughs> so... Uh, who, so now, I mean, and not to get crude. No, of course not. We would not want to do something like that. <laughs> but, uh, he has, he has relations with the pillowcase. I, I hope, I'd imagine that that's the point, right? But it doesn't specifically say that this particular guy does, but they do refer to other examples where they get, shall I say, custom made pillowcases. I mean, this doesn't seem all that weird. I mean, I feel like the New York Times only reports on these things after they've been happening for like a good solid 10 or 20 years at like a much higher rate of like pervasiveness than they ever report on it. I mean, like, is it really all that strange for somebody to have a blow up doll, right? And to like give it a name and to have it in their house. I'm not it's saying not I do blow it. Up doll, though. It's, a, it's, it's a blow up doll of, um, of a fictional so it'd be like character. having a blow up right, doll of a- one. Of, Basically, yeah, of Wonder Woman, yeah, but that's a very specific thing because you're you're entering into the fictional. <laughs> you're entering uh, uh, into uh, the uh, fictional uh, universe. Huh? Yes, that's okay, what she it's said. More than having a blow up doll, though, which is like, yeah, I, I'm guessing the traditional use of the blow up doll is just, you know, you use the blow up doll when it's time to use the blow up doll. This is taking it to me. It seems like it's taking it to a different level. That's a tautology, <laughs> Mark. I failed to follow your logic. That's a tautology. <laughs> <laughs> No, I know what you mean, and we don't have to disgrace everybody by talking about that more. But I know what you mean. I mean, I, I, I shouldn't get, I shouldn't argue with the New York Times because, like, the only way to win is not to play in that regard. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm reminded of one of my favorite Onion articles, which was, uh, I think it was 100% of people found to have secret lives. Um, <laughs> and it was like, yeah, even though people find out that celebrities do weird things, like it turns out the regular people also all do weird things. And in a recent survey, we found out this one guy in Ohio eats cat food. 
And like this other person, you know, like goes to sleep with a box of ice below their bed. And it's just like people do weird, weird stuff. Deviance. People are weird. I think they are. Yeah, yeah. I, this is a tangent, but can I, can I say my favorite Onion article? Yeah, sure. It's the, uh, the headline was, the sports franchise from my area will defeat the sports franchise from your area in the upcoming match. <laughs> and it's, you, uh, you know, it was like, our cheerleaders possess many desirable uh, feminine secondary sex characteristics, whereas your cheerleaders, uh, you know, do not possess desirable secondary sex characteristics. And it was the whole, it's, some, it's the kind of joke that I'm a sucker for, where someone just does something at a high level of abstraction uh, and kind of takes the piss out of it that way. Getting back to the, the, the subject here, I know that's a crazy thought there, right? Um, <laughs> Ouch! I, I, getting feisty. <laughs> I definitely see where you're going with this, right? You know, everyone has, you know, has secret lives, and you know where you draw the line for deviant behavior and things like that is, you know, there, there's, there's a constantly shifting line, right? But I, I just encourage you read this article. You know, think about the extent. You know, the article definitely will describe, uh, you know, in a much better way than I can the extent to which these men have really kind of, you know, concocted a uh, a relationship, you know, not you know, not just you know, sexual fantasy, but relationship with physical, with fictional characters and the physical embodiment of fictional characters. Read it and decide for yourself, you know, in terms of deviance and you know how that speaks to the other larger problems in Japanese society as well, too. Well, Mark, let me ask you two. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you sure. a question about it, and um, which is really my all my whole sort of snarkiness about it is just centered on what is interesting about this or worth talking about about this other than that it is new and that it is weird. And I, I think there are answers, right? But, like, what is the point of talking about this man, this guy who's having sex with a pillowcase? Um, what is, why is it interesting to talk about him other than the fact that it's something that we haven't talked about in the past or that it's something that's outside of what we consider to be normal? Sure. So the first thing is it's not just a man, right? right. I should mention this before. That the article points to an entire cultural phenomenon. Right. About this, and uh, you know, a sub subculture with defined leaders and and you know uh, guides to how to do this. Right. It's, it's right. sometimes easy to lose track of these things because they tend to over anecdotalize these sorts of things. Yes, definitely, um, and that's that's that totally a fair point. Yes, that yeah. is, it is. It, the reason why, so I bring it up a because it's a phenomenon, and that's why then it yeah. plays into our discussion about Comic Con and the degrees to which people take their fandom to you know to different extreme levels and this right. this this to me at least when i read this I was like okay this, these guys are really kicking it up a notch you know this is way beyond cosplay this is you know beyond fan fiction uh this is concocting a relationship mm-hmm. with a fictional character in which you are you know totally engrossed into now how much worse and or better is this than writing fan fiction in which you are in the story like, it's, if I were to write a story that was like, Pete Fenzel and Starbuck from Battlestar Galactica were totally hanging out, drinking some sodas, when she was like, let's totally make out. Like, and I put that on the internet. Like, cause that because that happens a lot. Because right? the, what, what, the, what at least the article implies here is that these relationships that they're having are in substitute for uh, you know, functioning relationships with other human beings. Right. right? So, so the act of fan fiction is yeah. not nearly as antisocial as... Um, as what they call the 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 two D two D love phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Now, do you think that people reach out? Do you think that it's sort of uh, one two different impulses? One sort of ending up spreading out into the territory of the other, like sort of this cultural impulse to be part of this sort of 
cultural storytelling tradition or whatever, storytelling culture, um, squeezing relationships out? Or do you think it's people who would be looking for relationships, except that this, this desire has been sort of like veered off into this other direction? You know what I mean? Um, like it, when we're talking about people who idolize, like you know, say that you have somebody who is, has a crush on Robert Patterson, right? And that person is idolizing I think Robert Patterson, Patterson, right? Patterson. Oh, okay, I don't know the guy that well. Yeah. I don't know him personally. We never hung out. Got it. But say that Robert unlike, Patterson. Unlike you and Starbuck. Me and Starbuck, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, if you want to read the whole text of that, by the way, uh, write write it in the comments and ask for it, um, and give me three good reasons why I should give you a full copy of that story, and maybe I'll sit down and write it one of these days. Um, it's totally awesome. It'll be like Strong Bad in uh, is writing fa- erotic fan fiction. Um, but uh, but yeah, is it like is the desire to be with Robert Patterson or Palterson, uh, Robert uh, Latterson, um, the vampire dude? <laughs> Is that the desire to have a boyfriend that has been transposed into the celebrity, or is it like the the fondness of for vampire stories that is being transposed into personal relationships? It can be both as well. I mean, that's obviously the cop out answer. But it is a cop say. out, so I'm not going to let you get away with it. I mean, are you saying? Are you saying that they're the same? Are they the same impulse? No. Uh, like, are, are we looking for stories in the same way that we're looking for other people? They. <sighs> What's the best way to put that? I mean, I'm, I'm going to probably stretch myself a little bit too much here because I'm clearly not an expert in you know the the various demographic issues that the Japanese society. Well, is Mark, facing. it's supposed to be fun. So if you're not having fun, then then clearly, then I, me and Starbucks need to get you another soda so we can all have a good time. <laughs> <Clearly>. <laughs> so my take on this, okay, right. I'm not quite, I don't quite know exactly how to you know fit it into uh, you know the, the the boxes that you're putting here. So I'm just going to avoid the boxes and make my own box over here. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Again, just like out. the guy I, with the pillowcase. I, uh, yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Um, th- these these men are already an alienated, feel alienated from society, right? Mm. Some of them have had actually you know relationships before, um, but um, combined you know combined with their intense uh, fanaticism with you know fictional the fictional universe, um, combining that you know, that that fanaticism with their you know feelings of alienation. Right. This provides the perfect escape, an easy way out for them. Mm-hmm. Now, um, so so you're saying that it's sort of like the 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 pathology of it comes first, right? The fact that they have some sort of social dysfunction comes first, and this is just sort of the avenue it happens to take on its way to resolution. Yeah, I think that's a good way. That's a good way to put it. I mean, uh, Matt, did you, did you did you gather what I was trying to talk about before? Maybe I wasn't quite getting it out there. I, get I don't a little quite bit of... get the dichotomy that you're proposing. Yeah, I, I don't know. I guess I was trying to say that like we get confused between real people and fictional people, right? And like I think that there's a place for fictional people and there's a place for real people. And I was kind of wondering whether we make that place ourselves. Um, or whether it's sort of like, what's a good example that I'm uh, like a good metaphorical example of what I'm talking about? Um, well, for example, the chemical impulse that you get from riding on a roller coaster is similar to the chemical impulse you get from running from a bear, right? Yeah. But, but these two activities are not the same, and they don't have the same purpose. Mm-hmm. So, so my question is, um, is, is fandom like that? Where you know you have a singular mechanism that's in your brain or in your body that is saying like, oh my god, oh my god, I'm being chased by a bear, or oh my god, oh my god, I'm totally on an awesome roller coaster, and it's just reacting in a sort of modular way to the stimulus that you're giving it, or is it more like we have two very separate feelings 
like a feeling towards why we want to be told stories, a feeling towards why we want to read books, a feeling towards why we want to read movies versus a feeling of why we want to go out with our friends, why we want to go like, you know, have relationships. And I think that I think that was more more clear. And I think the roller coaster analogy drove it home. And here's what I think. I mean, I've thought about this a great deal because I, um, uh, you know, because I I occasionally you know make a hundred bucks, make a union wage of you know a hundred bucks a week here and there, uh, acting in uh, theatrical entertainments. And so you know, someone was once talking to me about like things that actors do, like cry on stage or get like really mad on stage, and they're like. Well, it's not emotion, is it, Matt? It's, you know, it's the mimesis of emotion. And I was like, well, yeah, but if, if you get mad on stage, that's your real heart pounding fast, right? It's like, it's real adrenaline in your, you know, in your bloodstream. People who are called on to cry on stage and do, you know, or on movies or something, those are real tears. Well, on, on film, they're not always real tears, but you know, you, you get my point, right? Like that there's, there's a level of biology. And I think this is what you're saying at which it doesn't make a damn difference. And I think it doesn't make a damn difference, you know, take this for example, right? Like, have you ever had daydreams, like fantasies? I don't mean like, like sexual fantasies. I mean, just like imaginings, just idle imaginings about people, you know, of course um, you like, have. We yeah, all, you know, we all have. Like, hey, maybe I'll run into Pete today at the mall, and we'll, you know, we'll LARP for a little while or something like that. You know, like <laughs> oh, that's lovely, right? Yeah, like, like, and there, you know, there I am sitting in my cube, right, yeah. when I should be doing my uh, what are the TPS reports, yeah, right? Yeah. And uh, you know, I'm daydreaming about Pete, but I could just as easily be uh, daydreaming about, hey, you know, uh, what's really going to be great is when when Picard and I go to. A Explore the ruin, ruins on, uh, you know, Skylos Seven, like that, <laughs> right? And that at yeah. at a certain level, those activities are indistinguishable from from each other. I think that when we when we kind of internalize people. At a certain point, it doesn't matter whether they are real people or fictional people because our mind operates on them and creates this kind of daydream life. Mm. Uh, Anyway, now, if, you, if in point of fact you, like, go to the mall and expect to ru- ex- realistically expect to run into Picard, right, th- th- I, I, think that that's a, I think that that's a problem. But, you know, I don't know. It, uh... well, here's, here's an idea. Let me toss this out there as an idea. Do you think that the reason that we condemn people who do this – um, we, we condemn people who cross their wires and and insist to themselves and to others when asked that fictional characters are real and have real relationships with them because we recognize the danger that it poses um, to, and the fact that, that the dis- distinction that we make in our minds between real people and fictional people is the constriction and like is not natural or essentialist right like it can break down and it is held in place by the force of social norms and like by forcing by shaming people who have sex with pillowcases we're trying to uphold these social norms and self-reinforce these social norms like we we come from the norms and enforcing the norms we cause them to exist does that make sense i think that i think that people who have sex with pillowcases are an edge case right let's take a (laughs) let's take a more you know people who dress up in Star Trek uniforms, right, and go to conventions right. or any kind of thing, because that's a more that's a more mass phenomenon, I think, and always right. will be, uh, versus having sex with a pillowcase. Unless you're a teenage boy, in which case all bets are off. 
Well, that's true. But in that, yeah, we could then have a long podcast about having sex with pillowcases, and I feel like that's not something that right. our listeners and, and want. And in, in that case, you're, you're, you're less likely you're, – you're imagining that the pillowcase probably is Megan Fox, who is a fictional character in a certain sense, though not in another sense. And if you are imagining it's Nikola Tesla, then, then <laughs> we, probably, we probably have to have a whole other conversation. Hey, about everyone your... loves a well-turned mustache. That's all I can say. <laughs> uh, uh, oh, I'll direct your current. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he, he really, he really, you know who Nikola Tesla loved to screw was uh, Thomas Edison, right? Uh, 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 you I'm know, make a lot If you want I more mean, alternating current, direct current jokes, like just give me three reasons in the comment thread for this podcast. Why should tell more jokes about the battle for the alternate or direct current transmission of electricity to consumers in America. That's, uh, uh, and, uh, yeah, no, and and we'll we'll write it into our iPhone abstinence app. Mm-mm-mm. No, so, yeah, so Pete, so you're you're suggesting that like we're scared that we're scared about our own tenuous grasp on reality. That's a better way of putting it, definitely. That we feel that at a certain level we feel a sense of doubt in the people that we think and know are real, so to speak. Yeah, um, and, yep. and and so thus, when someone insists that the that you know trans Gemini from Andromeda is their real girlfriend, we don't want to face the reality that in fact, like our own notion of our own relationships might be just as uh, like built on the foundation as someone else's relationship with some uh, you know Andromeda character or a Farscape character or God forbid a Star Stargate Atlantis character. I mean, where does it end? Uh, actually, that's really that's anticlimax right there. I really should have gone in the other direction. <laughs> or a uh, you know Gene Roddenberry's Andromeda character, or a uh... that's what I started with. I started with Andromeda. Oh, and okay, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good lesson for comedy. Is like don't start with the most absurd thing that you can think of. Right. Now, I could have gotten more absurd than Andromeda, but it would have been out of the wheelbox of the audience, and I probably am already out of the wheelbox. Of the audience. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Our wheelbox. Wheelbox of this audience, I think, is pretty damn big. This is well, we've already established people don't like me talking about Lex. So hey, I dropped Lex as, you know as a reference. You know what, Mark? I will do the pandering. Thank you. On this <laughs> on this show. I will be the one who is pandering to this audience. This fantastic audience. This I, I see, see to you. This good looking and uh, you know, well educated, though underappreciated for all their education. Uh, many of them many of them autodidactic. Uh, and all and all very good looking. You you all need an iPhone abstinence app because you you are probably beating off potential significant others with uh-huh. a uh, <laughs> with a stick. Oh oh, that was that was unfortunate. So, let me say this. Let me say this. My 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 undying love for Willow from from Buffy is fake, but my love for our audience is real. <laughs> Dude, you're all very real people. Yeah, Willow's into girls. Willow's not into you, dude. I know. You know, the, I had, we had to deal with that. We had to talk about it. I wrote a story about it. It's a very. It was, I was very mature <laughs> and very understanding, and because of that, she said that she wished that she were still straight because she she thought I was so awesome. 
Um, and it was it was really awesome. But she, <laughs> and, and she if left. you and if you want to hear Pete's you know first person <laughs> narrative, leave three good reasons in the uh, in the comments on the show notes on the site, or you can use the contact form on the site, or email us at podcastoverthinking.com, or call two zero three two eight five six four zero one. In all cases, leave your name and your coordinates in latitude and longitude, <laughs> degree minutes and seconds. No, and people w- don't seriously take me up on these things. I still have this bag of mint Milanos for anyone from the Wu-Tang Clan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. That was a deep album. album cut. That was like podcast that. 16 or something. <laughs> and, and you, God, won't even call me. It's ridiculous. Uh, it's yeah, no, Pete is, Pete is carrying a torch for the... Uh, for, well, for Willow, but also for the listeners of the <laughs> of the Overthinking It podcast. And uh, as always, oh, and let us know whether you think real people or pretend people are, you know, preferable or whatnot. Uh, and as always, visit us on the internet. Wow, did you hear that? Yeah, was that a searching sound? That was a that was a. Uh, that was fascinating. I think lightning just like struck the ground outside my house and wow. the thunder followed on instantly from it. Wow, that was kind of scary. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I am calling the podcast because God is angry. <laughs> that, is, that is what we do here. I will podcast through this storm because we care about you. And if you care about us, visit us on the internet at www.overthinkingit.com, the site that subjects the popular culture to a level of pop. God, it really scared me. I can't even do the tagline. <laughs> this level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve. That was really scary. I definitely heard it. Wow! I want to. I'm, I'm, I can't wait to to, to 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 listen to it and play it back. <laughs> to, to do do some intense, you know, spectral analysis of that uh, of that sound wave.